Chapter Four, Part Two of Famous Stories Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Famous Stories Every Child Should Know, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter Four, Part Two. Undine by Friedrich Baron de la Motte Fouquet. How Undine first came to the fisherman. Huldebrand and the fisherman sprang from their seats and tried to catch the angry maiden, but before they could reach the house door, Undine had vanished far into the thick shades, and not a sound of her light footsteps was to be heard by which to track her course. Huldebrand looked doubtfully at his host. He almost thought that the whole fair vision which had so suddenly plunged into the night must be a continuation of the phantom play which had whirled around him in his passage through the forest. But the old man mumbled through his teeth, It is not the first time she has served us so, and here we are, left in our anxiety with a sleepless night before us, for who can tell what harm may befall her, all alone, out of doors till daybreak? then let us be after her good father for god's sake cried huldbrand eagerly the old man replied where would be the use it were a sin to let you set off alone in pursuit of the foolish girl and my old legs would never overtake such a will with the wisp even if we could guess which way she is gone at least let us call her and beg her to come back said huldbrand as he began calling after her in most moving tones undine oh undine do return the old man shook his head and said that all the shouting in the world would do no good with such a wilful little thing but yet he could not himself help calling out from time to time in the darkness undine ah sweet undine i entreat thee come back this once the fisherman's words proved true nothing was to be seen or heard of undine and as her foster-father would by no means suffer huldbrand to pursue her they had nothing for it but to go in again they found the fire on the hearth nearly burnt out, and the dame, who did not take to heart Undine's flight and danger so much as her husband, was gone to bed. The old man blew the coals, laid on dry wood, and by the light of the reviving flames he found a flagon of wine, which he put between himself and his guest. "'You are uneasy about that silly wench, Sir Knight,' he said. "'We had better kill part of the night chatting and drinking, than toss about in our beds.' trying to sleep in vain had not we huldbrand agreed the fisherman made him sit in his wife's empty armchair and they both drank and talked together as a couple of worthy friends should do whenever indeed there was the least stir outside the window or even sometimes without any one of them would look up and say there she comes then they would keep silence for a few moments and as nothing came resume their conversation with a shake of the head and a sigh but as neither could think of much beside undine the best means they could devise for beguiling the time was that the fisherman should relate and the knight listen to the history of her first coming to the cottage he began as follows one day some fifteen years ago i was carrying my fish through that dreary wood to the town my wife stayed at home as usual and at that time she had a good and pretty reason for it the lord had bestowed upon us old as we already were a lovely babe 
it was a girl and so anxious were we to do our best for the little treasure that we began to talk of leaving our beautiful home in order to give our darling a good education among other human beings with us poor folks wishing is one thing and doing is quite another sir knight but what then we can only try our best well then as i plodded on i turned over the scheme in my head i was loath to leave our own dear nook and it made me shudder to think in the din and brawls of the town so it is here we shall soon live or in some place nearly as bad yet i never murmured against our good god but rather thanked him in secret for his last blessing nor can i say that i met with anything extraordinary in the forest either coming or going indeed nothing to frighten me had ever crossed my path the lord was ever with me in the awful shades here he uncovered his bald head and sat for a time in silent prayer then putting on his cap again he continued on this side of the wood it was on this side the sad news met me my wife came toward me with eyes streaming like two fountains she was in deep mourning oh good heaven i called out where is our dear child tell me gone dear husband she replied and we went into our cottage together weeping silently i looked for the little corpse and then first heard how it had happened my wife had been sitting on the shore with the child and playing with it all peace and happiness when the babe all at once leaned over as if she saw something most beautiful in the water there she sat smiling sweet angel and stretching out her little hands but the next moment she darted suddenly out of her arms and down into the smooth waters i made much search for the poor little corpse but in vain not a trace of her could i find when evening was come we childless parents were sitting together in the hut silent neither of us had a mind to speak even if the tears had let us we were looking idly into the fire just then something made a noise at the door it opened and a beautiful little maid of three or four years old stood there gaily dressed and smiling in our faces we were struck dumb with surprise and at first hardly knew if she were a little human being or only an empty shadow but i soon saw that her golden hair and gay clothes were dripping wet and it struck me that the little fairy must have been in the water and distressed for help wife said i our dear child had no friend to save her shall we not do for others what would have made our remaining days so happy if any one had done it for us we undressed the child and put her to bed and gave her a warm drink while she never said a word but kept smiling at us with her sky-blue eyes the next morning we found she had done herself no harm and i asked her who were her parents and what had brought her here but she gave me a strange confused answer i am sure she must have been born far away for these fifteen years have we kept her without ever finding out where she came from and besides she is apt to let drop such marvellous things in her talk that you might think she had lived on the moon she will speak of golden castles of crystal roofs and i can't tell what besides the only thing she has told us clearly is that as she was sailing on the lake with her mother she fell into the water and when she recovered her senses found herself lying under these trees in safety and comfort upon our pretty shore so now we had a serious anxious charge thrown upon us to keep and bring up the foundling instead of our own poor drowned child that was soon resolved upon 
but who should tell us if she had yet been baptized or no she knew not how to answer the question that she was one of god's creatures made for his glory and service that much she knew and anything that would glorify and please him she was willing to have done so my wife and i said to each other if she has never been baptized there is no doubt it should be done and if she has better do too much than too little in a matter of such consequence we therefore began to seek a good name for the child dorothea seemed to us the best for i had once heard that meant god's gift and she had indeed been sent us by him as a special blessing to comfort us in our misery but she would not hear of that name she said undine was what her parents used to call her and undine she would still be that i thought sounded like a heathen name and occurred in no calendar and i took counsel with a priest in the town about it he also objected to the name undine and in my earnest request came home with me through the dark forest in order to baptize her the little creature stood before us looking so gay and charming in her holiday clothes that the priest's heart warmed toward her and what with coaxing and wilfulness she got the better of him so he clean forgot all the objections he had thought of to the name undine she was therefore so christened and behaved particularly well and decently during the sacred rite wild and unruly as she had always been before for what my wife said just now was too true we have indeed found her the wildest little fairy if i were to tell you all here the knight interrupted the fisherman to call his attention to a sound of roaring waters which he had noticed already in the pauses of the old man's speech and which now rose in fury as it rushed past the windows they both ran to the door by the light of the newly risen moon they saw the brook which gushed out of the forest breaking wildly over its banks and whirling along stones and branches in its eddying course a storm as if awakened by the uproar burst from the heavy clouds that were chasing each other across the moon the lake howled with the wings of the wind the trees on the shore groaned from top to bottom and bowed themselves over the rushing waters undine for god's sake undine cried the knight and the old man no answer was to be heard and heedless now of any danger to themselves they ran off in different directions calling her in frantic anxiety end of chapter four part two